Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Today's guest in our studio is Dave Jones, the founding partner of Pathways Associates. And he talks a lot today about the importance of leadership when it comes to nonprofits, that really a nonprofit goes as the leader goes. And he will highlight some real key strengths that he sees as he is a consultant and he looks at a lot of different nonprofits and he realizes what's really weaknesses and then also what are the strengths of various nonprofits and nonprofit leaders. And so, for example, he talks about leaders of nonprofits have to both see the forest and the trees. They have to be both relational and good communicators. They still have to have do organizational development. They have to do fundraising. So those those and many other things, Dave gives us insights into what makes nonprofits unique, what makes them run well, and what are the traits of effective nonprofits. Enjoy today's show. Well, welcome to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. Today in the studio is Dave Jones, founding partner of Pathways Associates. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show. So glad to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about what you do and about Pathways Associates. Well, Pathway Associates, first of all, is a group of consultants, all of whom in one way or another serve the nonprofit community. Uh, sometimes we serve governments too. Some of our clients have been governments. Uh, our his history comes out of the fundraising realm, and uh, several of us play roles in that uh, in that con that coterie. But uh, first of all, we have a, a group of people. Uh, I'm involved with providing uh, consulting services for uh, capital campaigns, primarily when nonprofits are trying to raise multiple millions of dollars to build a new building. Uh, my partner Phyllis Hockett, she is also involved in capital campaigns, but a lot of her work is in strategic planning, strategic fundraising planning, and leadership development, helping organizations uh, look forward to the future. We have a woman, Chris Scher, who is involved in succession planning with organizations, helping them transition from one leader to another leader, usually executive directors. We have uh, two very accomplished uh, grant writers, Lisa Arnett and April Nordstrom. Uh, they do exclusively grant writing for nonprofits. And we have a, a, a new associate, uh, uh, Jessica Linville, whose specialty is event planning and helping organizations move from one level with what may be a moribund event into something that's very dynamic and really producing a lot more revenue. And then just, just a couple of weeks ago, we brought on a woman named Diana George, and she was a VP with Wells Fargo, specializing in non or I'm sorry, small business development business planning, that kind of thing. And she is now doing financial planning, business planning for nonprofits. So basically, the common theme for us is uh, we all want to help nonprofit organizations along the path to sustainable futures. 
And how did you get into this? Like, what was your motivating factor for getting involved with an organization like this and founding Pathways? Well, I was always interested in in being involved in public service in some ways. I I come out of the business sector, but I also spent 12 years in the Utah House of Representatives. And I kept seeing nonprofit organizations really making a difference where government couldn't and where the private sector wasn't inclined to. And so gradually I just gravitated that way. And this was a natural outcome of that interest. Well, I know based on our friendship with the Peace House and your involvement there, uh, that's just one of many organizations you're helping, so you're really doing a good job. Let's talk about nonprofits a little bit. This is a nonprofit podcast, obviously, so we're talking about nonprofit leadership and and how we uh, go further and faster. Um, What do you think the most unique role nonprofits provide in this community? Well, I I think nonprofits kind of fill the gap between the public sector and the private sector. There are many things that government doesn't do very well or can't develop the consensus to do. And there are a lot of things that business probably isn't inclined to do. Businesses exist to make money and they don't always exist to you know, do the things that need to be done in a community. And so nonprofits fill a very important void. If there's a need, they, and they're on the private side, they don't have to get a vote of the public, they can form a nonprofit organization. All you need is passion, grit, a little bit of money, and you can do a lot of good in this world. And so that's, that's what I think the role of the nonprofit is. And then moving on to healthy nonprofits, what have you found with your experience? You've got a lot of experience, obviously, in government, as well as working with nonprofits. Um, what are those key healthy ingredients for nonprofits that really are doing a good job and are healthy at their core? One of the biggest things, I think, is you have to have a very clear idea of your mission and vision. I see a lot of organizations that kind of you know, are susceptible to mission creep, and they start off with a very you know, a succinct idea of what's needed and the service they're going to provide, and they gradually kind of venture into a lot of other areas, all of which is good, and some of them do it quite well, as long as there's a common theme. But I think healthy nonprofits are very focused they know what they're all about and and they have a board that can very quickly and succinctly describe what they're all about. Uh, Healthy nonprofits have a well-diversified stream of revenue. They don't rely on any one source and if something goes wrong in one area they can you know make up in another area. Uh, They have a good sense of what they want to accomplish in the near term and at least a vision of the long term. So they don't just you know muddle through although there's something to be said for muddling through, and usually after you create a plan, you're muddling through. But at least there's an effort to define the future and a path to, to get to the future. And I think those are characteristics of excellent nonprofits. And talk about leadership then. What role does leadership play, and particularly not just the executive director, but the key leaders, whether it be the board or the executive director or key staff members, how important is healthy leadership to a nonprofit? Oh, it's essential. I, I don't think you can have a healthy nonprofit without, at least not for long, without a healthy board and without a a good, strong leadership team. Uh, You have to have a team of people, and especially in the executive director, you have to have somebody who can do two things at one time, can see the forest, but it can also see the trees. You have to have the big picture, but you have to know what it takes to move things along at the the near vision as well. And so that kind of person isn't very easy to find, but Universally, I, I think they are people people. They like to be around people. Uh, they're good communicators. They're well organized. 
and they can articulate a vision, but they're also not micromanagers. They're able to delegate and allow the natural leadership to come out of their organizations and empower that leadership. Same with boards. Uh, boards play a different role, but a strong leader on a board sets the pace for everybody else. And that's critical to fundraising, which is my specialty, but it's also critical to involvement in moving the mission forward and willingness to participate in strategic planning and all of those things. So yeah, I think healthy nonprofit is synonymous with healthy leadership. I love it. And talk about you've obviously been on the board. You've been you are on boards currently. Um, when you look at nonprofits, and we'll just say in Utah right now, the nonprofit sector as a whole, um, what are you seeing right now? What's kind of your pulse of uh, are there healthy nonprofits? Is it more than fifty percent healthy? Where are we at uh, in terms of the, the state of nonprofits in Utah right now? Well, it's it's very interesting because you probably know there's something like 14,000 nonprofit organizations in the state of Utah, but many of them are very small organizations with budgets of you know 25,000 or $50,000 a year, kind of one-person shows, and so you know the organizations that have employees and are operating on a little bit more budget scale and having a little more impact. I think are doing pretty well. Uh, we've just gone through a, a, you know, a very difficult economic time. We lost a lot of nonprofits, a lot of them, or a lot of them went dormant, or there were some mergers. And I'm seeing more mergers right now. A couple of my clients are the results of, of mergers. Talk so, about that a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if you can share many details, but what does a merger look like, and, and what did, what happened to bring that about? Well, let's uh, let's take uh, the Boys and Girls Club of uh, Salt Lake. Greater Salt Lake in the South Valley Boys and Girls Club. So one county, two Boys and Girls Clubs for many years, and both of them, you know, very good organizations. But it was very confusing to donors. Uh, it did feel like a, a duplication of services, and it was a case where I think they could be much stronger, and they knew they could, uh, if they were one organization. And so over the last couple of years, they went through a process of blending boards and blending organizations. And now it's one organization. And I think they have tremendous opportunities, both of them, uh, that probably weren't there before. I think they're going to be a stronger organization. I think they would agree. And, and so the mergers worked so far. The transition yeah. has worked and they're moving forward and doing well. I, I, I can't speak for that organization directly, but from the outside, it sure seems to be working well. Very interesting. That's be another a topic for another a podcast is mergers. So, you know, you hear about that in the financial world, typically in the corporate world, but not so much in nonprofits. So fascinating. That's, that's really good. Well, let's go back into then your specific role at Pathways Associates. Um, what you'd mentioned finances and fundraising. Uh, what other resources do you provide to nonprofits? Well, in terms of we, we have seven consultants, basically, and our goal, and very often we work together collaboratively, and that's one of the wonderful things about the organization, I think, is we meet on a regular basis and we listen to what each other's doing and we have ideas, because we all come from slightly different disciplines. So we have, uh, we have a couple of grant writers who specialize, in, who specialize in writing grants for organizations and help do grant research and so forth. We have uh, my business partner, Phyllis Hockett. She's really an expert in annual fundraising and she does capital campaigns as well and she uh, teaches in the nonprofit uh, academy at the University of Utah but her specialty is really helping organizations take an assessment of where they're at in terms of their funding and developing viable plans to get them to the next stage 
Uh, we have uh, a woman named Chris Scherer, who is the retired uh, founder of, of uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation in Utah. Oh, fantastic. She, she was there for 20 years. Now she consults with us, and her specialty is succession planning. So if an organization is going to be transitioning uh, sometime in the near future, maybe the next couple of years, her role is to get involved with these organizations and really help them think through that next step. And she's very, very good at it. Uh, we have a woman who's recently come on board and she is uh, focusing on event planning. And so many organizations have events and they kind of year after year, it's the same thing. And some of them get stuck. Her specialty is to take the event to the next level and help them realize greater potential and maybe, you know, change things up a little bit. And we have a woman who just joined our, our group and her specialty after 20 years with a, a major bank and, uh, you know, small business uh, assistance is helping nonprofits do financial planning and helping them uh, lay out their operational plans, that type of thing. So organizational development and yep. financial development, things like that. Yep. So Excellent. all of these things are, there's a common theme to all of them. We're helping organizations get on a sustainable footing uh, so they can realize their dreams for their community and, and their future. Well, I'm impressed. You offer a wide variety of different uh, resources, and each one of those, as you described, your various uh, associate partners, if you will, um, each one of those are so critical to the success of a nonprofit. So, okay, so someone's listening, and they're like, hey, I want to get a hold of Pathways Associates. How do they get a hold of you, and what typically is the arrangement? Is it kind of an hourly fee? Is it, do they hire you for a project, or how does it work? Well, the, the way to get in touch with us is just to go on the web. Uh, we're at uh, Pathway. ASSOC.com, so pathwayassoc.com, and all the information for contacting, contacting us is going to be there. But uh, the way we work, we are, we are on, generally on a fee basis, but sometimes, for example, our grant writers will work on an hourly basis. Uh, in a capital campaign, which I tend to get involved with, we tend to work on a, on a level monthly fee uh, that's prearranged in advance, and then uh, sometimes we work on a uh, on an event basis. Sometimes we work on a on a on a lower fee, and then there's a success you know enhancement if if they reach their goals. Then maybe there's something more that uh, is there in the way of compensation. So there's a variety of different ways we might work. It really, for the most part, we try to project how much time is going to be involved, and we project a fixed fee rather than trying to track hours. And so say someone comes to you, it's a smaller nonprofit, they don't have a lot of extra money, but they certainly need a lot of help. How do you uh, process that? Do you have like a sliding scale? Do you have like a scholarship fund or something? Well, very often, and, and you, you kind of hate to advertise this, but very often people get in touch with us. And our first step is to say, well, why don't we sit down and let's just talk and let's see what your needs are and what your resources are. And if we can't, you know, if there's not a business arrangement here, we can at least give you some advice and maybe steer you in a direction, uh, try to direct you to some other resources. And uh, so we, we try to be helpful where we can. Well, that's good. I mean, I think, um, as I think of the ED of a nonprofit, all those things sound wonderful. We could use help in all those areas just because you always want to get better. Um, so a typical consultant opportunity would be you'd sit down, you kind of analyze the needs of that nonprofit and give recommendations. And you could say, hey, you can do A, B, or C, something like that. Well, the, the one that I'm most familiar with, the, the arrangement I'm most familiar with is a capital campaign scenario. Got it. And typically what I do is I'll work with an organization initially to do what we call a capital campaign 
philanthropic market study. So it's a feasibility study. And we test the ability of the organization to raise the funds that they think they need for their capital facility, this new building they're going to build. And if it looks like it's feasible, we help them organize a campaign. And that can, this can be a long process. Usually my projects are two years in duration or, or sometimes even longer, depending on the situation. Uh, but it almost always starts with a conversation with an executive director, and usually it involves the development director, and just talking about what's your, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And oftentimes, there's more than one answer to how you go about things. And so we can at least lay some options on the table and talk about what has worked with some other organizations. And sometimes, and we always learn something from the groups we work with. Sometimes they have a very unique situation and we figure it out together. Well, and as you've worked with all these different nonprofits, are there some common themes of what you've bumped into of things that are just constantly people coming to you with this issue? Is it fundraising? Is it organizational development? Uh, what are the key themes that you're seeing in nonprofit uh, leaders and organizations that really need help? Well, they always need more money. Yeah, okay, so money is just <laughs> bottom line. That, that's a consistent theme on this show. So They always need more money. They always need to figure out how to uh, develop a new stream of revenue. And I, I think it's very important, as I said earlier, to have a diversified revenue stream. You can't just rely on government grants. You can't just rely on foundation grants. Every organization ought to have a major gift program. Every organization ought to have some kind of an annual fund. And, and unfortunately, too often, I think, the answer the boards come up with is, let's have another event. And whenever they say that, I mean, the hearts just drop on the staff because they know how much Absolutely. work it is. Absolutely. Exactly. That's right. It's a so, lot of hard everybody, work. Every organization should have a signature event, but there are many other things they should do. One, one important thing that I think organizations should really be paying attention to right now, and I'm hearing a lot about it. I'm of the baby boomer generation, and many of my colleagues are, and they're in retirement mode. They're starting to, they got a few more years, and they're going to start, you know, stepping aside Many organizations that I see are not ready for that. And some of these people have been in place for 10 years, 15 years. Uh, so you're saying, again, they're in roles, in leadership roles at nonprofits, and yes. they're about ready to retire. Yeah. Got it. And there's going to be a big turnover coming up. Just like the wealth turnover that we've talked about in, in fundraising circles, there's going to be a leadership turnover. And so organizations, nonprofits, really need to pay attention to figuring out what that transition is going to look like and how can we make it smooth so that we don't lose revenue because donors no longer have faith in the organization or we don't lose the ability to provide those services. You, you want to do this very smoothly. There are good, thing, good ways to do it and there are bad ways to do it. And the bad way to do it is all of a sudden and assume that it's just going to fall into place. So succession planning sounds like for you in the next, say, three to five years, that's a critical need across the board in Utah. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so, no question. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's very, very interesting to know. Um, so why do you think your company is so important for the success of nonprofits? You've obviously listed a lot of different things. Um, do you feel like it's something that uh, nonprofits that are healthy recognize the need of getting an outside source, a third party that can come alongside? Uh, because I know we've had people on the show talk about, you know, we have a lot of board members that have expertise in various areas. Maybe just tap a board member. Why is it so important in your mind to go outside maybe their immediate leadership team to a group like yourself? A lot of times it's simply a matter of expertise. Every organization I work with has a development director and they're very accomplished fundraisers in their own right. 
But very often, for example, in a capital campaign, they may not have done a capital campaign, or they may have done it a while back. And the advantage that I think we bring in many of our services is that we do so much of it. Uh, one advantage I think we bring, especially in Utah, is that we are experts in Utah philanthropy. We know all of the philanthropists and all of the sources of revenue and investment and so forth. And so in many cases, we have direct relationships with those people. So we're able to say not only so-and-so's out there, but so-and-so's out there and they tend to like this, but you know, I wouldn't go that way. I'd emphasize this. And so it's, it's strategy development. Uh, boards can be very helpful, uh, but I think boards are sometimes worried about their own abilities and sometimes, sometimes just bringing a consultant in is, is reassuring to a board that, okay, we're going to do this right, this isn't going to just fall on my shoulders and we're going to have a plan and we're going to follow best practices and there's a track record I can point to and that's, that can be very helpful to somebody. Very good one. And when you've worked with nonprofits, say you've run into a leader that is somewhat new and as an ED, we'll just focus on that for now, executive director. Um, what have you found to be some of the key things that executive director can do right away to really improve? Because going back to what you said, um, you know, most organizations, people come into these roles, they have some experience, but maybe they've not had the connections that you would have as a consultant, or they don't have, they've never done a capital campaign, but yet they have the capability. So how do you work alongside uh, a leader that has all this great potential, but really needs to go that next level? Can you give us some specifics sure. of how you do that? Well, first of all, we consider ourselves to be coaches. And so... We are fundraising consultants, we're not necessarily fundraisers. And so when a group hires us, we're not the people that go out and meet with their clients, uh, with their, their donor prospects, because frankly, we'd be meeting with the same people every other day and they, they don't want to hear from us, they want to hear from the people on the front lines that have passion for the cause. Got it. So you're really coaching, coming alongside, you're not doing it for them. That's right. Our goal is to, especially in a capital campaign, our goal is to help them make sure they are doing the right things and then to also make sure they're doing them well. And when we're done, they're able to leave with that expertise in-house. And that's very important for the next stage following any kind of fundraising. That's true in just about anything we do. Our goal is not always, possible exception of grant writing, our goal is not always to do the work for them, but to enable them to do it for themselves. So Dave, talk about leadership again. You are a coach, really. You come alongside these leaders and board members. What are some common themes, again, when it comes to leadership um, weaknesses, where you really come alongside and, and give them training or show them how to get better at certain leadership tasks? What are those leadership tasks that you've seen that are consistently weak? One of the, the biggest issues that, that we encounter is the need for what we call board development. And very often, we'll encounter an organization, and in fact, I gave a talk to this effect at the Utah Society of Fundraisers recently, about how do you develop a board that is on board? I mean, how do you develop a fundraising board? How do you get people actively engaged? And we have several consultants in our organization that specifically provide a service that we call board development assistance. And that can begin with uh, simple conversations with an executive director about what are your challenges? Where do you think your board is strong right now? Where is it falling down? And it's interesting. Some of the groups we work with have been working with the same board for 10, 15 years. And that's kind of like founder's syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, you keep the same person on too long and things go stale. I, I've served on a lot of boards. I need to rotate. 
because basically in three years, six at the most, you've gotten everything I've got to give you. Yeah, I love it. And it's <laughs> time gotta, for somebody yeah, you else. Your cards, you got to, yep, exactly. Okay. It's time for somebody else. Why do you think it's so hard to uh, get a board fresh and keep a board fresh? I think very often uh, we fail uh, in laying out clear expectations. It's, some of it has to do with making it explicit what you expect when somebody comes on board. And so you need to say, here's a list of the things we ask our board members to do. We want you to attend 80% of all board meetings. We want you to support our annual gala. We want you to serve on a committee. We want you to provide a volunteer dinner. And so, and I, one thing, a simple, simple trick, when you have a board, me a board meeting, rather, you ought to have packets for your board members. It ought to have their name on it. And when they open up the packet, there ought to be a checklist of all the things they agreed to do when they came on board. And then it's just an, it's a reminder. And this one's checked, this one's checked. Oh, you know, I haven't done that yet. I got to line up that dinner. It's a good reminder and it, it, it's so easy to forget, but it's a way of just letting them know that these are really important things and we hope you'll follow through with it. Well, well said. Okay, what are the greatest opportunities that you see uh, nonprofits have an opportunity uh, to be involved with this, say, the next five years here in Utah? What are those maybe social ills, maybe the struggles that we see as a society? Where do you think nonprofits can really have the best opportunity to really solve some of society's biggest needs? Well, I hope that, that nonprofits are going to stay focused on their core missions. I, I think sometimes they, they spread out a little too much and there's mission creep occurring. But I also believe that getting involved with organizations that cut across the, the whole sector, such as the Utah Nonprofits Association, the Utah Society of Fundraisers, the Nonprofit uh, Academy at the University of Utah, all of those things, getting involved that way can have a big impact. Um, as somebody who served in the Utah legislature, I think there's a very important role for nonprofits to play to make sure that their representatives understand the needs of the community and when those needs are not being met and what the impact of not meeting those needs can be. And so we have big challenges in, in terms of uh, people who are simply just struggling day to day to get by. We have huge challenges in terms of caring for children and making sure that they are well fed, but also getting an opportunity for an education. Uh, huge challenges in, in the aging population. So all of these things are out there, and most of it's human services, but I also want to put a plug in for the arts. The arts are often ignored, but can play a very important role in our community of defining a community, helping to bring a community about, and helping give a sense of community. When we go to festivals, when we go to you know, big productions, you know, even the symphony and those kinds of things, those can be uh, unifying things. So I, my hope is that nonprofits will take a leadership role in providing services, but also in informing people who are in positions of, of power to make decisions that impact all of us. Well, with your unique experience of being in the legislature and now in a nonprofit, uh, working with nonprofits, uh, that's really wise words. And uh, one of the things we'll, again, we'll just have to bring you back for another interview. Uh, there's so much to talk about. You know, we, we have talked in the past about what is 
that relationship between government and nonprofit and for-profit even in, in the private sector and nonprofits like how can we work together we had Bill Krim from the United Way and we talked about collective impact and so I think you're touching on that a little bit that we need to get all the players together uh, but I love what you said about nonprofits have to focus and keep to their mission I know that's something my board is so good about reminding me on and as I look at nonprofits that struggle with mission creep uh, their effectiveness just drops and so anyway great wisdom really appreciate you being on the show today one more time how do they find out more about you and the pathways associates give us the uh, website again so it's www.pathway p-a-t-h-w-a-y a-s-s-o-c dot com pathway great hey well again david it's been great having you dave jones founding partner of pathways associates a lot of wisdom a lot of insight a lot of experience and we just have to get you back on the show but thanks for being here again on the show today it's my pleasure thank you i want to let you know that we are on itunes and if you may be wondering how do you find out about this podcast go to the podcast section and type in nonprofit leadership podcast and it should pop right up you'll see my face uh, you'll see the nonprofit leadership podcast and or rob harder and uh, we also encourage you once you go on itunes let us know what you think. You know, give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell us uh, if this is helpful or not. We'd love to get your reviews. And then finally, if you want to just find us online, you can go to nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or you can go to my website, robharder.com, and you'll find their information in both places. And then finally, you may be listening and say, I want to be a guest on that podcast show. So feel free to email me at rob at robharder.com and let me know. And we'd love to get you on the show and talk about what you're doing to make the world better. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, have a great week.